I was muted the whole time. Wow. Okay. So anyway, tonight, the topic um, I had asked in the post, and there's three of you now. So um, we don't, I thought we were have some kind of system where I made sure that only five people were accommodated, but I like the idea of us having more time. So the question is, what is something that you, that currently makes you feel either behind or out of place? So you guys, if you want to answer, just unmute and then pick which one you want. Is it out of place or is it behind? And what's making you feel that way? Don't be shy. Who wants to go first? <laughs> it's going to be boring if nobody asks. It's Becca. I think there's <laughs> too many things to pick from. I feel like <laughs> from those topics. So. Okay. What's um, pick the most annoying one? Like, What's the most irritating way that you feel behind or out of place? Mm. Well, so, yeah my my initial I have two I guess one is just like my size for my work because that's a big deal at my work and then being a single mom I think mm -hmm. And do you feel like it's more out of place or more behind, quote unquote? I think it could be both. Definitely yeah. heard both from people. I think it is both, but I think it bothers me more because I just feel out of place. and like, I don't belong necessarily yeah. <laughs> anywhere. Like, I don't fit in to a certain group. Um, well... I wish the subject matter was better, but you do fit in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that what you're saying, I could totally understand that. And, you know, it's not like in your situation where you work, it's like, that's your, your whole career happens to be somewhere that relies a lot on, like, they put a lot of emphasis on the physicality of it, not really paying attention to the whole picture. Uh, it's not just that you sit around eating, you know, French crawlers all day long you know, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean you don't feel like that around those people, you know, like you might as well be sitting around eating donuts all day. Um, I think the hardest part about that is the limit of what is something to work on to fortify and strengthen yourself where it rolls off your back and what becomes like a certain level of toxicity where it's just too hard to do that. You know, mm -hmm. if you're inundated with it all the time, it might be a, a big task to ask anybody to self-regulate when it's constantly being drilled into your head that like you're bigger than other people here, you're, you're lo losing because of this and blah, blah, blah. And especially when it's out of your control, it's an illness. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? What are your thoughts on that? That like level of toxicity? Um, I think my last assignment was definitely more toxic. It was more at that level of, I shouldn't be tolerating it. Um, but this job or this assignment, I've been able to, a lot of it is telework. So we don't see a lot of the employees, mm -hmm. um, which has been nice. And then it's kind of an older group of people. <laughs> so they're less about that than. They, they realize that gravity is a thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
and they all have like physical ailments and stuff so it's it's not as uncommon here um it kind of makes you think too like what were they like on their bodies when they were younger that they're in that situation now yeah I think a lot of people just ignore their problems until it's like so (laughs) yeah 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 so yeah, a hundred percent people. And that's what, uh, you know, why ableism is so, uh, because it's like the people who are judging you are people who are human. Like all of us, they would have the same level of grief and adjustment and all of that. If out of the blue, they were diagnosed with something that they could not just get rid of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet those opinions are the loudest and they're the most inexperienced in these things you know? So it it becomes frustrating because it's like, I got to sit here and be judged by people who don't know shit. (laughs) Like they don't know anything about this life. Yeah. And I think so. I think that played into, I told you that I was nervous about doing the retirement ceremony for um, my person who was retiring. And like, I literally started shaking at the beginning because I don't like to be seen. I don't feel like I, my voice is valued. So it was really hard for me. Like to put to on the happy that. face and be like, woo. Yeah. yeah. And to, to just not get in my head and think like all these people are judging me. You know uh, what I what I found with that, because I I can relate not to the extreme nature of the environment that you're in like that, but, um, just in general, like being the biggest one in class, being the biggest one, you know, in my culinary class, well, it was like, it was like just a hit to you, you know, where you're trying to like be in the moment and you have, you know, that like eyes are on you. And for Mm -hmm. me, the whole idea of like, you know, if I talk to people about feeling this way, I was usually talking to people who are smaller than me. And they were just like, well, it shouldn't matter what they think. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I hate that it matters what they think. And I hate that you're the one coaching me through this right now, you know, um, because they just didn't get it. But at the end of the day, I think what helped me a lot more than that, like, oh, don't worry about it kind of mindset was just like, a, yeah, they probably are. They have no idea. Yeah. And it's just like a full on acceptance of like, yes, there are eyes on me. Yes, I, I hate that. I don't like that. They're probably judging but they're, you know, what they're judging, like, it's not going to change the rest of my day. I don't focus on it, like not affecting me because it's almost too big to rationalize (laughs) in that moment. But if I think about it as like the rest of this day or the rest of this event, let's say, then it becomes a lot more like manageable seeming. Yeah. You know, like for the next 30 minutes, I'm in front of people, they will probably think things and they have no idea what they're talking about. They don't know me. It'll suck because I wish people didn't think those things, but then I'll leave and then the day will go on as normal. Yes. Except you're too smart crumble. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I told you, like right before the ceremony started, my shoes started to crumble. Like the oh my God. bottom were, were they heels? Yeah, so they're like rubber. I guess it's kind of common in how the military makes these dress shoes or whatever. Mm. So like the poor guy had to go run to the store and buy me the same pair of oh my shoes. God. But, but it was just like, of course this would happen right before. Anyway. And it's like, because you want like as little attention on you as possible. You're like, yeah. oh my God, don't look at me. And then here comes something where it's like people have to because they have to help yeah. you. 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, I would, if I were in that situation, I'd probably just be like this. If you've heard, do you know who Larry David is? Um, he was I a writer do, of yeah. Seinfeld and like Curb Your Enthusiasm and like a lot of just kind of um, deadpan, ironic humor, kind of like cynical humor shows. And yeah. I, my joke is like, Larry David writes my life. Like he uh, writes the script to my life. The things that happen, yeah. I'm just like, this is too ridiculous. Like there needs to be somebody laughing in the background, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel like I used to say things like just my luck. And that would happen to me. And like, that felt a lot more negative, but I still feel like that's something I wanted to express. So now I just am like, Larry David wrote my life <laughs> because at least it feels humorous, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, but I definitely, I am sorry your shoes crumbled. That sucks. <laughs> but you got through it. it yeah. Yeah. It worked <laughs> out. It's all right. So now you mentioned a uh, single mom that being a single mom either makes you feel left out or like you don't fit in or like out of place or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. How does that present for you? Um, I think specifically at work, um, like there's another major who works um, in my office and he is married and has two kids and I think it's just expected that if you have kids, like you have a partner who's helping you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so it gets kind of awkward. I don't really like bring it up and say, yeah. but it's still like just this expectation or assumption people have. Mm-hmm. Um, or like when I used to go to church, I noticed that one time I brought a guy with me and the way that we were received was so much different. Wow. It was just me and the kids. So I don't know. It's just this weird dynamic. You know, in all the time I've been doing this, nobody's ever brought that up, but I could definitely understand. I'm not in that situation whatsoever. Like I don't have kids, but I could understand that that would be something that would happen that wouldn't get talked about a lot is the differences that you experience, you know, just having the quote unquote, like ideal image of everything going on. And then when it's you with the kids, wow, yeah. I'm sorry that you experienced that. That's really crappy. Um, when, well, let me ask you this. Do you have an idea of what the perfect single parent looks like? Like deep oh, down, maybe if you've never even like really thought of it consciously, like, do you ever have that feeling of like, putting yourself down because it should be this way um sort of I think I take into account like everyone has a really different situation um and some single parents have more help from their co-parent um so (laughs) Well, sometimes I don't know. Maybe. Sometimes, oh my god! I, when I meet a co-parent, like a good co-parenting situation, it's like seeing it's like finding a unicorn. Where it's like, oh my god, you both have respect for each other and each other's time and children and the well-being of their future. Oh my god! You know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I do have certain assumptions, and a lot of it has to do with how my kids are, and they're much more. Like, I want to take them out and do stuff, but then they complain. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, it's hard sometimes. I think for sure. I mean, 
this is where it gets fuzzy because I could give you advice as if I would, as if it were your friends or your partner or someone like that. And sure, it might sound good for kid advice, but I always say this, you know, I've told you this before too, is like, this is coming from someone with no kids. <laughs> so I'm just taking it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah. And that is, you know, maybe just trying to get to know them and see what they want to do, even if it's boring, even if it's something like, you know, if obviously if like, we want to go to France, you know, like, okay, <laughs> me too, kid, you know, but like, maybe not right now, but you know, in general, um, kind of get to know what, what their interests are, what they want to do. And, you know, and if it seems like silly or whatever, make it seem like the coolest thing in the whole world, you know, and start mm-hmm. small. It might be just a matter of getting to know them from a different place as you're growing too, you know, as your mm-hmm. threshold gets, gets, you know, larger, as you are more aware of things from your past and all that, it might take re-getting to know them a few times. And again, that just sounds good as someone who doesn't have kids, but um, if it can help at all, I hope it does. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Thank you. Of course. So let me know if you need anything else. Shoot me a message. Um, Okay. So who else? Who wants to go next? Um, In what way do you currently feel out of place or behind? Who wants to unmute and answer that? Okay. If no one, oh, someone wants to unmute. Yay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll take one for the team here. Uh, uh, Okay. So I feel behind in like life everywhere. Right. Like, um, like it's hard to explain because I've actually probably experienced more life than a lot of people. Um, Mm <laughs> like not in a good way. It's not bragging, I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I know the exact way in which you are speaking. <laughs> um, but I feel, you know, um, like I sometimes feel like a lot of my like masking comes from like trying to relate to people on things that like I can't relate on, like career and like even things like driving. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay with not driving. Like I decided a long time ago, my OCD says no, and that's fine. I'm never going to do it and I'm okay with it. But I do still get questions every Mm -hmm. once in a while. They're more rare now, but like every once in a while, I'll still get a question. And it like, you know, so it doesn't feel great. No, that's great. Like, so that's wild because like, also, I don't know if you know this, like I haven't driven in a very long time. It's something that I'm working my way back up to. Um, you know, after a lot of different trauma and stuff like that. So like I have it in the, on the horizon and I'm not going to rush myself. I'm going to take however long I have to take to do it and it will happen. But I get questions all the time about it. Like people are like, what do you mean? Like, what, were you not allowed to drive? I'm like, what do you, was I not allowed to drive? Like, where am I living? Like, no, um, I can't imagine like that people who know you (laughs) know what you deal with. And still feel like they should ask questions on why you're not driving. Um, that's pretty wild to me. You know, when that happens, what does it make you feel? Well, it behind? kind of feels, well, yeah, I feel behind, but also, cause like, okay, for example, like my, my closest friend, like she used to also not drive. Like she was just like me mm-hmm. up until she decided, you know, I have two kids and like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and like for her, like when she asks me about it, it's not like when you're going to drive, when you're going to drive. It's not like that. It's more like, oh, do you like want to learn how to drive? 
Mm. And that makes me even more mad because it's like condescending almost because it's like, well, first of all, like I don't need, it's not that I don't know how to drive. Like right. I have or it's not like you're in. viewing it as a negative, you know, like if you're at a place to view it as a positive that you're listening to yourself and you're, you've made, you know, you've made peace with this and you're good. Like, it's not like, I don't need consolation because I don't want to drive. You know, it almost feels like, um, it sounds at least as I'm hearing it, like it comes across with like a little uh, air of pity to it. Like if, oh, you poor thing, you just need a little help and you could drive, but you're like, no, 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 I'm good. Like I've made peace with this decision. Um, does that ever, is that kind of the frustration? Yeah. But then like, I also feel like annoying. Like I feel like I'm annoying when I have to like ask for a ride. Hmm. Mm, Cause those same, you're like, if people are like, why don't you want to drive? But then I have to ask them for a ride. Totally. It doesn't really keep it an open, like supportive environment. What do you think the best thing, like an ideal world, let's say you found like a genie lamp, rub the genie lamp and get what you wish for. What would you have wanted to hear as more supportive or what could have been more supportive in that conversation and make you feel less weird asking for rides? I mean, I guess just like, when I said I decided I'm not going to that was just it <laughs> yeah fair enough you know or even just like um well you know if you ever if you need anything let me know you know or something like that versus like well you could drive if you want it's kind of the feeling <laughs> yeah. yeah um I think when you said that you're like I've lived so much of my life like so much more than I feel like a lot of people my age have lived and yet I feel like I'm behind then you mentioned the car example what do you feel like the car example is just one example of like, what does it add up to this feeling of being behind if you had to put your finger on it? Cause it sounds like that could, the car thing could be a theme, but it sounds like there's probably more stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's um, a feeling of like, even though like I've grown like emotionally and mentally and like, I'm, <laughs> I'm more adult than like a lot of adults that I know. Um, it, it is a feeling of like, I'm not a real adult. Mm. So I think, and again, this is going to sound really like lofty and it's not going to make the situation itself like better go away or whatever. But I feel like whenever I'm in a situation where I can't change that narrative, that's going to face me time and time again. It's like, take that power back in a way. Right. So if you think about, okay, if I create my idea of a real adult, and I write it down, I put a name on it, like I put, I make it a list or whatever you want to do, make it a real tangible thing. Nobody else has to see it. It's just for you and your own, you know, connection, let's say, um, and list out what your idea of a real adult is. I think it'll, it might be helpful because you can look at it and say, well, what could be achieved off this list in my way? And then you could also look at it and be like, wow, I really have a lot of this down, actually. It just has to be my way. You know, so it's something that just kind of like, uh, you know, when people write down like sayings that they really like and they put it on a mirror or whatever, it's kind of just continuing that, putting it out there to be like, well, I am a real adult. Like just because this is my route to being a real adult and this is what my needs are, doesn't mean it negates any of this reality. And logically you could know that, but having that list written out is good for those moments where emotionally it doesn't feel that way, you know? Because there'll be times that both are pushing and pulling. Like, you'll know it's not really like that, but it feels this way. Um, and then 
both are valid, you know, um, but writing it down takes it from just being like, your thoughts are valid, your feelings are valid and makes it like actually valid, <laughs> I find at least. Yeah. So, um, you know, there there is no behind, right? Because if you were to try, like there's nobody on this planet that has exactly the lead up to where you are that you've had or the, the every part of you, like there's no two people on this planet that are exactly the same, right? So we get this idea of what normal is based on really ultimately based on what we wish we had more of. So when we stop and we think about like, okay, well, what do I actually really want? You start to realize that like, wow, I'm not that far off. Yeah. You know? It's a little grounding. Yeah. I guess a lot of it too is, I, I think I said this last week, like I'm having, you know, because of my situation, I'm having a lot of like fear for the future and like existential like crises. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it just feels like, how am I going to actually like prepare for like having to legit grow up overnight kind of, you know? Well, I think that, like you grew up all night overnight already. You know, you got thrown into the wild, go build your shelter already. You know, you're like, you're like year three in the wild. Now you look crazy at this point, right? Like you just acclimated. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of part of like, maybe your real adult list would be like real adult with a chronic illness, like real adult with these circumstances in the future, you know, like your list of real adult will look different than what you would expect to like find on Google, you know? Um, and that is the most preparedness we can have really, you know, like my, when I was diagnosed with scleroderma, it's eight year survival rate typically, which is like crazy to think about. And that was like five, six years ago, I think I was diagnosed, you know, and I'm not trying to make it like about me, but just saying like how I got through that, just thinking of like how bad my life was potentially going to get, like that was really consuming. Like, how do you avoid thinking about that? Like my mom was like, at some point I might have to retire and take care of you. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this right now. Like I just found out that I have this whole thing to deal with now and like my life trajectory. And I just decided like, Hey, I could get hit by a bus when I walk out my door tomorrow, you know, like I'm not, I'm going to carry on. And I'm going to like, as, as, seemingly like, oh, how lucky, you know, how fortunate that you could be able to do that. But truly, I'm like, I'm just going to live like this didn't happen. I'm going to have denial of this. Like, obviously, I consider it when I need to, like health wise, I manage my body, like all those things. But in terms of the fear of like, how could I even let myself plan for the future? How could I even let myself think of all these big things I'm going to do? Like, I don't want to be let down when that doesn't happen. And I'm like, why? Because in the meantime, it's possible it could happen. Like, even if it feels possible, I don't have to be miserable until the day comes where maybe I do, you know, have to change what I'm accustomed to accessibility wise, or God forbid, you know, have some kind of organ issue, you know, like until then I want to kind of fulfill as much as I can. I don't know what that cap is. And like I said, five, six years here later, and it's like, I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing, but who's to know, I could have been way sicker than I am now. And I don't think anyone expected me to not be as not sick as I am now, you know? So those days between, it's very difficult. I don't mean for any of this to sound flippant. It's very difficult, but like that became my priority because I felt more controllable than the future. Cause I don't know what the hell was gonna happen, you know? Yeah. So I can't, no one can know what our individual illness journey could be or what that feeling feels like or the fears we have, but everything you're experiencing, my biggest advice would be 
write it down and try to, if you can't coach yourself through it, that's what you have us lean on us for that, you know, but as much as I hate saying this, cause it's just so cliche, your feelings are valid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of a long winded answer, but I hope it helps text me. I have, I saw, I have some text to get back to you, but also text me what you think about mm -hmm. that, like real adult list. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So we got three more. I think we have two more people on here. So Yasmin and Corley, you guys can put it in the chat since we have such few people if you want, if you don't want to unmute and ask, but um, if you do even want to ask, but what makes you feel left out or behind? I'll go with Yasmin. Um, Hi. I think for me, it's just like, when I think about the adult things like you were just talking about, but for me, it's like, cleaning my house and grocery shopping and cooking I feel like I'm way behind where a 27 year old should be as far as like having those skills yeah I mean and that it's also like you go on Instagram and it like looks like everybody just knows how to cook up like their entire kitchen's worth of like really pretty food um it's definitely something I hear very commonly um what do you find to be the most overwhelming part of it all grocery shopping and making sure like I actually have enough food in the house yeah so let's talk grocery shopping this has come up a bunch recently um it is a overstimulation nightmare yes. and nobody talks about it like it's so normalized nobody talks about it but it is I agree <laughs> I do shop from home as much as possible because I cannot or or Nick goes because I can't stand it um, and because it's just so much by the end of it, when I'm leaving, it's like, I feel like I'm drained. I have like a migraine. I am like moody. I just want to go lay down. Like, it's just so stimulating. Um, and I mean, of course there have been other things I've done. Like I go, I try to go early or like in the middle of a weekday or something where it's going to be busy, but that's not always doable, you know? Um, so when it comes to going to the grocery store for you, what becomes the part that becomes the most triggering for you? Is it the well, sounds, like, the lights, what part? Yeah, I think it's, we. I usually go on Sunday afternoon. Maybe that's my first mistake. And it's super busy and there's a lot of people and I feel like I'm constantly having to like move my buggy to, to stop from running into someone or someone's like in my way, but I need to get something. And then I feel a lot of stress about like planning meals and like trying to make the grocery list is really hard for me because I'm it gets hard for me to think about okay what am I going to want in three days I don't know if I'm going to like this food anymore in three days mm -hmm. and oh love this love this so first there is a series in the I think it was uploaded to Spotify um if not it is on the group page if you look up kitchen confidence so that I did a series of videos I think it was like a year maybe a year or two ago um, and it was like four or five videos all pertaining to like the different kind of behind the scenes psychology of cooking and eating and shopping and like all of that stuff. Um, so I, I want to redo that series again because it's been so long. But in the meantime, it's available there if you want to watch it. Um, okay. And then the other thing I think is I totally agree. I, I for the longest time, I tried to do it where I was making like a menu for myself each week. Yeah. And I never stuck to it. And I felt so like crappy about it. And I don't know why, like it wasn't a big deal. We still ate, like we didn't, we didn't starve, you know? Um, but I felt like just a mess and I felt very wasteful. I hate, 
I hate throwing out food. And when I was doing that was when we were forgetting all the produce in there. And like, I can't stand wasting food. I've def I've been very poor in my life. So like wasting food really, really bothers me. Um, and I've never felt more disconnected from the process of eating than when I was trying to plan meal plans all the time. Now there are some people that thrive with it. I'm just not that person, you know? Um, so I get it. I started thinking of food as flavors. And what you do is if you buy X amount of like base ingredients, like meats or vegetables or whatever you're getting, and then you keep a bunch of like good condiments and spices and flavorings on hand, you can like, yeah, it might be a little expensive to buy that stuff initially, but you're not going to use the whole batch of spices on one meal. You know, it's going to last a while. You build up your cupboard, you have tons of flavor options, and then your base ingredients can be what they are, but what you can change up is how you cook it and how you flavor it based on your mood. That flexibility, like right now, I don't even know what the hell we're eating for dinner and it's what time? <laughs> it's 830, you know, um, I've stopped trying to fight it. I eat late, that's what we do. That's how my ADHD is wired, I'm a late eater. And I think we have steaks defrosted in the fridge. So we'll probably season those up, pan fry them up, um, veggies. I usually in the freezer have frozen green beans, frozen collie mash. Um, and I'll just throw one of those together, whatever bread I have, I'll toast up, maybe put some garlic salt on it with some butter. Um, uh, and then that's it. And so it's the flexibility. Like I plan to have enough stuff in my freezer. I don't always remember to thaw it, but I try to, um, and then I flavor it based on what I'm in the mood for in that moment. So there's no pressure. That makes sense. Yeah. I like literally, and it causes a lot of rifts between my husband and I, because he also hates grocery shopping. And like, yeah, I think like it's really overstimulating for him, especially. And he likes to just go in and like get whatever he's in the mood for at that moment. And I like to sit down and I plan out the entire menu for the week down to like the recipe with the link. So I know mm -hmm. what we're having. And then it gets to Wednesday and I don't want that or I don't want mm -hmm. to go through that amount of effort. And so like we just threw away like a bunch of old chicken that was sitting in our fridge because I got it out of the freezer to defrost it because I said we're going to have this today. And the, it two weeks later, I realized we had never had it because I didn't feel like making it. Well, OK, I have a really good hack for that. We did that with. um we did that with a pot roast, I think it was, and then with a corned beef that we had. And it was like, oh my God, if we do not make this today, it's going to go bad. Like we, but I had no patience, time, whatever. I didn't, no desire to make this stuff, right? So I put it in a crock pot. I just stuck it in a crock pot. It's like, if it sucks, we're gonna throw it away anyway. If it's good, awesome. And I don't have to touch this thing. Like it's just gonna sit in there all day and it's done. Um, it sounds gross, but it's like the things that are about to go bad, go in the crock pot. You throw some soy sauce in that bad boy, put a little bit of olive oil, some salt, you are good to go. Um, and it's truly like, if we're having a crock pot meal, it was just because it was about to get wasted and thrown out. Um, and then when it comes to recipes, I think recipes are also people underestimate how overwhelming recipes are. Cause sure you could follow a recipe, any of us could read instructions and follow it. Right. But it doesn't mean like, just like supermarkets are supposed to be easygoing, you know, whatever experiences doesn't mean that's the way it is for us. So having a recipe, if you think about it all day long, you are following demands of some kind. 
you're following instructions, demands, deadlines, people expecting things from you, and you're spending all your energy all day long trying to perform well enough. Then comes dinner time where nobody, the only people that, that deal with dinner time not going well, it's like you, you know? So it's like when you're burnt out at the end of the day, what's the big deal if I don't make that recipe? I don't even feel like eating anymore. This sucks. It becomes the thing because who wants to go now get in the kitchen and follow instructions more? You want to yeah. go, okay, get this thing, get this much. How much do I have to measure recipes? I reserve that for like a special occasion. If there's something I'm excited to make that I've never made. Um, but other than that, I just try to throw stuff together. The meats uh, and kitchen confidence. I have videos on this, like technique wise, how to do that, like how to cook the stuff. Um, okay. but once you get a few different methods of cooking it and you have a few flavor pro uh, combinations that you realize you enjoy, it becomes so much easier. I think that'll be helpful because as a kid, my mom never really cooked. Like we had like TV dinners, mm -hmm. like ramen all the time. So I don't really know how to cook. I recently started roasting vegetables in the oven and I'm like, oh Ooh. my God, this is incredible. <laughs> Isn't it so good? Oh my God. Okay. So the reason that things get so good when you roast them like that is anytime something is burned a little bit, like just a little bit brown, that's caram caramelization. Anytime something caramelizes, what it means is the water is evaporating off and the flavor is what's left behind. So when you see the brown stuff, like, like the, the char on the outside of vegetables and stuff, it's like flavor packed, you know? So when you're roasting it, you got the olive oil with it, you got the seasoning with it, you know, the way that the outside gets a little toasty, it's just so good. Um, and it's just all in the technique of cooking it. It's not actually hard. It's just intimidating. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Kitchen Confidence, that series you'll love. And then, like I said, I'm going to definitely redo it. Um, I think it's helpful. So Good, yeah, that'll be helpful. And I think the crock pot thing will be helpful because we got a crock pot in an instant pot and an air fryer. Oh, nice. but I never Instant pot scares me. I don't know. I've had we got rid of ours because I, like, we tried using it a few times. First of all, OCD, I need to know how long to cook something like even then I want to check it. I want to make sure it's not raw. I want to make sure that I don't know, like it's good enough. Um, and then it's like, if you open it too soon, you let all the moisture out and stuff. I couldn't stand it. I was not built for my neurodivergency. I hate it. it made so much noise. I thought we we're going to blow up, mm -mm. <laughs> but crock pot. I love it's the laziest, most wonderful thing ever. Yeah. I should use it. I use it like two times a year to make it like chili. So I think mm. you things. Chili sounds good. Um, but yeah, you could just throw whatever in there, put some flavor like soy sauce, olive oil, salt, or whatever seasonings, and you're good. Leave it on there eight hours, 10 hours, whatever, until it's nice and tender. And you, you know, like you were going to throw it out anyway. So if it doesn't come out great, it's kind of like I tried. Yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then order from home as much as you can, like uh, Instacart, if you have it in your area. The only thing that sucks with Instacart is the produce, but I don't order fresh produce usually like because they go bad. So uh, it's just my, my neurodivergency. I just do better with frozen because I can make it on my own terms. Um, but that would be the only thing is maybe if you'd want to like stop at a veggie market or something for your produce, the rest you can Instacart or get on Netrition, um, you know, and you won't even have to step foot out of your house. I think that would be helpful. We did that like all during COVID. And I'm realizing now, like once like COVID like got better, we started going to the store again. I'm not sure why. So yep. yeah, <laughs> try it, you know, whatever works, works. And I'm sure it's one less person to clog up the store aisles. The people who work there are probably glad to, you yeah. know, <laughs> 
So I hope that helps. Yes, thank you. Um, of course. So Corley, if you'd like to ask the question, um, if you want to type it out, if you want to unmute, and then we'll wrap up helping you out if you'd like. Sure, um, I'll unmute. So probably what I feel most behind on is my husband and my house because we moved in literally like a year ago and I feel like we haven't fully put everything away yet but we're both really busy people and we um, have a lot of extracurricular activities and I work part-time as well as full-time so I mean in our defense we don't have too much downtime but yeah it's frustrating because like my mother-in-law is coming in town on Friday and I feel like every time I have a free moment it's basically just trying to pick up everything that got messed up that week but then it's mm -hmm. like back to square one I can't really progress or get any further than just picking up what mess I did make that week <laughs> so. okay so what might help here are some different systems so because when organizations, one thing, but like you're realizing it's, it's like, you don't want to have to always, you know, re-clean, re-maintain, re-go back, you know, like you don't want the situation to come again and again and again. You want it to be that once you organize it, you're like, good, you know? Um, and to a degree that doesn't happen as much as I wish that too, because life, but I can get that you want that to still feel pulled together somehow. You want to feel like settled in, in some way. Um, what bothers you the most about where stuff is at in the house? Like if you were to pick one area, one room, just one room that's like, you're really disappointed that it hasn't been sorted out yet. Um, I, I feel like our main level is okay now for the most part. Um, our living or not our living room, our dining area is a little bit messy right now, but we just bought a table. Um, but I think the area that stresses me out the most is the attic because I just throw stuff in there when mm -hmm. I don't want to hit it. And like, I can, I'm literally a safety hazard waiting to happen because there's stuff all over the stairs and like, I'm going to trip or step on something. Yeah. And I just like close the door and shut it and try to avoid it. <laughs> and, and it kind of feels like so what's bad. working for you up there. Like, I don't want to know what's lurking. <laughs> right. And I think a part of ADHD also is object permanence. If it's not in front of us, we truly forget it. And sometimes we want that to happen. Like that's why we get the doom bags, the doom piles. And it's like, oh, I don't know, it's out of the main living area, it's better. Um, but then it's like, we forget we have the stuff. We know it's there. We know we have a ton of stuff to go through, but it's like, it takes on a life form of its own almost. Um, what would you like like I don't know how's your attic laid out like can you go up there and like walk up there and stuff or is it really just like a crawl space to shove um like bins into well you should be able to walk but right now <laughs> I can't because I just have stuff everywhere but um it's you can kind of walk you have to bend down a little bit um because okay. the ceilings are kind of low but it's not really a crawl space per se it okay. like a child could have their bedroom in there but for a five ten person like myself it's a little bit low but it's it's still doable so oh, I had no idea you were 5'10 people yeah. are always surprised that I'm taller I feel like I was having this conversation <laughs> with someone the other day and they're like I had no idea you were tall I'm like yeah I'm like I'm 5'7 like <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so um I would say it probably would be better off in like bins um 
because you can also like, you can put what's on them on the, like on all of the sides of the front of them. And then you can just like push and shove them around that space, you know, and know that it doesn't need to be like organized, but at least it's like contained and cataloged. Um, and for that, it actually like feels good when you're doing it because your only mission is to find like stuff. Like that's it. That's your only focus. It's your baby step. Let's say is find like stuff to put into a bin that would make sense if you labeled it. Um, so like all the wires you can find, you don't got to find what they connect to yet. I, I feel like they multiply, honestly, like there's no way we own things that attach to all of these random cords, but you never want to throw them away. Right. Like, because the one you'll need will be there. So throw it all yeah. in a bin. Um, <laughs> toiletries that you should probably throw away by now, different fight for a different day goes in the toiletry bin, you know, like taking those baby steps, even with stuff like this and just first like cataloging what you have. And then in the future, you know, if everything else, if you have the time, you can make it as fancied up as you want, but at least you're not like dreading what it's like up there. Do you think that could help? Yeah, that, excuse me, that makes sense. Um, I did have a few bins and then I, I think what my problem is a lot of times is I'll make the piles of stuff, like, especially downstairs, I'll make the piles and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to move this pile that goes to this particular room later today and then the pile just sits there for like five days so sometimes it's like I get it I get it in that category or I get it kind of in a particular space um mm -hmm. so it's in like its little family per se but then I never move it to where it needs to go so that's a good point for this so what I would do is I would like don't schedule it in. Um, there's a good zoom on this It's called standard over schedule. So don't schedule it in. Like I'm going to do this on this day. I'm going to dedicate four hours to the attic because it's going to become very overwhelming and it's going to get pushed off because we're human. And that's not what we want to do at that time, even though we should. So instead keep bins near you, like not, they don't have to be like near you, but in your house, just keep empty bins and have it somewhere where you look at. So when you get a minute, like not a minute. It's going to take a little bit longer, but like 20 minutes, let's say you have 20 minutes to spare, take a bin, go to the attic. And just from whatever's immediately in front of you, find the like things in that and throw it in the bin, label it, close it up, keep it in the attic and go downstairs. If you do this enough times, you're eventually going to chisel away at it. And then even when you have something that you would want to go throw up into the attic, it might be something, you know, you have a bin of similar stuff up there with. So instead of throwing it in the attic, you throw it in the bin. So it, it kind of sets the framework up for it, but how you go about continuing to chisel away kind of is flexible with your life. Yeah, that makes sense. You know how, like when I tell people drinking water, I'm like, focus on taking sips every few minutes. Don't focus on how many bottles you have to finish. And then you end up taking a lot more sips. It's kind of the same thing. If you focus on just like getting the container up there and a few minutes here, a few minutes there, it doesn't always feel as good because of the way we're set up, wanting to just like start it and finish it but at least you know it's not like something you're waiting forever to even start because it's overwhelming. Yeah. So I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Of course, so I love doing these. These are always so fun and like heartwarming, um, but I hope that this helped you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, if you have any further questions or you need you know, more, you wanna discuss this more, feel free, text me. Um, and then otherwise I will see y'all not this Monday, but then that Wednesday, and then we'll start our weekly zooms from them. If I ever do uh, group coaching, it'll be random, but I'll do them on Monday nights like this. So 
I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.